Mr. Houston got a chair promotion. Uh, I did. I feel like an adult here. It's Good evening and welcome to the uh, September 21st, 2022 Planning Board meeting in the Salem Meeting Room at 6.32 p.m. Can I get a motion to open the meeting? So moved. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. I'd like to make a motion to allow Ms. McCormick to attend virtually. I need to get a roll call. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. I'm going to make a motion that Mr. Amrai attend virtually as well. Can I get a second? Second. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. Make a, I'm going to make a motion uh, that we begin with item number one, which is the MAPC discussion. Uh, gentleman Josh is here. I don't want to mispronounce your last name. Um, can I get a second to open the discussion? Seconded. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Chair. Good evening, everyone. Josh Fiala from MAPC, the Metropolitan Area Planning Council. Nice to have, nice to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so we'd like to uh, discuss the downtown Canton zoning study this evening and uh, sort of reintroduce and get the project restarted, um, picking up in, in our office where my colleague Chris Kutchel left off with you all back in the spring um, and with the sort of the, that staff transition along with your own staff transitions in the town planner's office uh, has caused that project to be paused, but now I think we're all ready to get restarted and, and underway again. So uh, just a, a brief overview of the uh, agenda this evening, and I won't take too much of your overall meeting time, but wanted to reintroduce the project, introduce myself to you, um, share uh, some initial progress we've made just in terms of data collection and, and updating mapping to get going and rolling with the project, uh, and then discuss um, any additional data that you might have available, particularly on um, recent development data, and see if, if there's sources you have for that talk a little bit about the community engagement plan, which you also hopefully responded to Chris with some feedback on, so I have uh, an outline of that and some discussion around it. And then uh, lay out the schedule from where we are now to uh, through, through the end of the process and talk about uh, either setting a, a, a community meeting date this evening or we can do that offline outside of the meeting as well if that's more productive. And then I'm happy to answer any questions that you all may have coming from this presentation or from previous engagement with the project. So just a, a brief overview and, and uh, recap. So this is uh, really uh, implementation effort. Uh, the, the master plan recently completed has identified uh, the downtown zoning as uh, in need of an update. It's been, in my mind, a very successful model in the region uh, for many years, for decades, in fact. Uh, I think one of the, the first downtown to really focus on mixed-use development and, and pass a successful bylaw that's resulted in development. Uh, and I think that's a real testament to the, the town's forward thinking and, and uh, moving on that. But it has been 20 years, uh, and, and I think the recent studies have identified the need to update that uh, in hope of invest, attracting new investment in mixed-use development into the downtown. So I'm happy to be here with you all working on this. It's, it's a pleasure to be uh, a part of the downtown with the town in this regard. So um, this isn't, I, I guess the last point I'll make on that slide is this isn't uh, just another 
um, planning study, but it really is implementation of previous planning studies as we're looking at concrete recommendations to the zoning, which would be then uh, taken forward to town meeting. So our process is both identifying those concrete changes and hopefully building support for them through this process. So uh, looking concretely at those master plan goals, these were some of the specific items which came out of uh, that uh, really excellent townwide work. So having one set of development procedures and standards for the town, town, downtown, presently there's several underlying zones, uh, an overlay district with several sub-districts, uh, looking at the table of uses and making recommendations to what may be allowed, what may be allowed by special permit or not allowed in the district moving forward, updating dimensional requirements to really uh, refine the downtown environment over time, and then focusing, I think, quite a bit on design standards for elements uh, of the downtown investments to make sure that they are uh, in line with the vision for the downtown that the community has and really moving it forward with each increment of investment. And then I think the parking requirements also are an area where some attention can be made and progress can be made in terms of zoning updates. And then lastly, looking at sign requirements to make sure that overall quality of the environment is there with the design and appropriately scaled signage. I'm just gonna, Madam Chair, do you, do you allow questions or comments now or do you want to wait till the end? If you have, or do you have any questions now? Go yeah. ahead, please. If you, the, um, I think I, the answer on the adjust parking requirements in the zoning bylaw to reflect best practices, I, it, you probably don't have an account what we modified at the Springtown meeting. I may not know that. Okay. So it would that's, be good to, it would yeah, be good okay. to have that's, that. That's what I wanted. Yeah. That's why I wanted to say that because we did make some changes okay. that brought that into alignment. Um, essentially making there less parking for restaurant requirements, et cetera, et cetera, that, that were pretty restrictive. Right. Did that also include residential uses? It did, and it don't did. ask me per what units, the change was. Because yes. <laughs> I don't remember. I think it was per bedroom. It was per bedroom, yeah. Okay. Changed it too, so. But we can, we can get you a copy of that. Karen can get you a copy of that. Excellent. I just wanted to make sure that that comment was made. Thank you. No, thank you. That's very helpful and good to know. So I'll, I'll, I will make sure I have the most up-to-date bylaw and information. We don't have it printed as we have, but, but, we, but Karen definitely will have uh, the articles that, we, that were approved. Okay, great. Need to be so, so similar to uh, the, the work you did with uh, Chris at Canton Junction, we have done some um, uh, visualization and mapping and sort of graphic analysis, including the downtown, uh, putting together some you know, building massing models. This is, I think, was effective with that process that you went through in Canton Junction to help uh, understand sort of the, the context of the zoning today, but also it will be helpful as we contemplate potential changes in the future or properties which might be a part of investment in the future. So this type of, this is a, a snapshot we'll have, uh, I think, at the first community forum, which will be coming up uh, probably in the November or so time frame, we'll have uh, additional mapping and analysis, which will be in this same sort of character. Uh, but this gives you a feel for that work which is underway. And, and I guess I'll use this to highlight that we're focused on the section A and section B of the overlay districts, not, not so much section C, which is the Paul Revere Heritage Site. So here, here are those underlying zones, uh, which I mentioned previously. So there are a number of different types of zones within these uh, outlined study areas. 
Uh, most prominently is the, the business district or the central business district. The also includes industrial areas, uh, the single family residential C and the general residential. Um, so thinking about what this underlying context looks like, I think is, is really a center point of our study. And it, do we want to adjust this or do we want to continue uh, working within the realm of an overlay? I think that, that is an open question, which we will need to investigate the uh, relative advantages and disadvantages of, the, of those two approaches. Uh, but that will be uh, potentially one of the concrete results and recommendations. I think in, at any rate, whichever direction we head in, there are probably some fruitful zoning map changes uh, in either approach that would, that would be helpful recommendations. Uh, for example, the underlying zones today don't match uh, parcel lines for the most part. They're done by offsets and things like that. And it can create some confusion where properties are split between two um, zoning uh, types. So that might be uh, one, one type of zoning map cleanup, which um, is sometimes not without controversy, but um, can, can help with the clarity moving forward. And we've also taken a, a look initially at the zoning in the study area. I'm not the zoning, the land use in the study area. And you can see that land use represented with the various color codes. Interestingly enough, um, as I was putting this together, I was, um, I guess, not, not having too much familiarity, uh, getting more familiar each day with the analysis and walkthrough I took this evening. But I was surprised by the number of residential parcels in the district, particularly uh, those that show up in yellow here. Uh, and single-family uh, residential also, which are the lighter yellow tones. Then you have the, the red tones, which are the commercial uses, either stores, restaurants, or offices along Washington Street itself, uh, and then some of the either municipal or institutional uses in the uh, blue tones. Um, it looks like a, a few more of these properties which are not classified as mixed use in the assessor's data could be classified as mixed use upon my walkthrough this evening. Um, so perhaps we'll update that, particularly along the Washington Street frontage. I think the um, amount of mixed use is, is a little more prominent than what this diagram might indicate. And I guess that's, I, I mentioned it, but just to be more specific about that. So all of this analysis and data is using the, the most current 2022 assessor's data, which is available on the online viewer. So the, the, as far as that, um, database goes, this is as, as current and up-to-date as it gets. So using that data, uh, identified those parcels which are roughly, give or take, uh, within the time span of the, the zoning which has sort of enabled uh, the investment uh, over the last two decades. So uh, those properties which are built roughly after the year 2000, I think the, the zoning changes were maybe 2003 or 2004. Um, those, are, those are the properties that show up in yellow there. And here are some of the, the addresses associated with those properties. And so this is what we can see from the data. But what I wanted to ask in this meeting, and you, you're welcome to take a look at it in more detail, perhaps post-meeting and get back to me via email. But just wanted to make sure that this looks about right, that there shouldn't be other properties which have been developed since the year 2000. There might be some properties which are maybe uh, underway with the development process or maybe an approvals process, which might not show up in the database just yet. But if this, uh, this can be something that we verify together, but according to the data, this is, this is what it looks like.
Yeah, there are, there's an addition of two condos on Bolivar that, uh, that was increasing my, my recently, I believe. And uh, that's the only one I'm aware of, I think of off the top of my head. Any questions from the board? Great, so it sounds like it's pretty close. So just a few observations from that, um, and I guess an additional request for data. So that's, by that count, the map showed 19 projects since 2000, um, which accounted for, according to the assessor's um, tabulation, 219 residential units. I'm not sure if that seems about right or not. That might be a little um, more detailed uh, that we might wanna uh, just double check on. The thing that's harder to glean from the assessor's data is the square footage of commercial space. So I don't know if that's been tracked in any way. Um, and then also the bedroom mix of the development projects that have come forward in terms of uh, one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, three bedroom plus. And then the number of deed restricted affordable housing units that are a part of that overall unit count. Um, when you say you look at the assessors, I mean, doesn't the assessors have the square footage of the of each unit and then description? Um, not on every property. It's for some of the properties on the property cards. Uh, it is noted the number of units and even the unit types in terms of bedroom count, uh, but that isn't the case for all developments. And 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 is this specifically since the two thousand or in general? That's in general. I actually didn't. It's a good question. I could go back and check these 19 projects just to see what the property cards look like, but that was more of an overall observation on the properties. My, my gut would be that these 19, obviously you're pointing out that there's 219 residential units in those, yeah. that if you stripped out those, you'd still find residential units downtown, but they would be smaller, obviously older, but significantly older as in function is, yes. my, is my guess. And I'm not just talking age, just overall. Yeah, I would think that and the other observation I would make is that the residential units in the study area, which are prior to 2000, are more likely to be either single family or duplex also. And so I think that the, the scale of residential development has been more than a duplex, typically, since 2000. Yeah, I, w I would, that, I, mean, I think that was, the yeah. that was the intent of the developers and the people on the planning board at the time, the zoning board or planning board at the time, who worked hand in hand to make the development happy, happen. But I, I will go back and look at- That was a little, that was a little. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's, it's a, Point well taken, though. I'll, I'll go back and look at these 19 projects and their property cards and see if there's, for these projects, more detailed information. I didn't do that check back. To I mean, I bet you 90% <coughs> of those are condos. Yep. And not apartments. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Okay, so I'll look back in the, I guess that what I'm hearing is there's no additional like data source or data being tracked, it would be in those property records with the assessors. It should data. be in the property records. I don't think of any other way that we would track okay. them now. So I, I will use what we can find from those records and then just 
if, if there's gaps in that data, we'll just do the best we can. And maybe we have to go through, I hate to say, the tax records after that just to see for properties too. Okay. Okay. So in, in that last correspondence the board had with my colleague, Chris, um, you, you all had mentioned a few projects which you think represent sort of a, a quote, good fit for downtown. And well, I will note that I've, in this series of images in my walk through downtown, I realize I have the wrong waterfall mixed use Canton project with probably the, the waterfall restaurant and that mixed use development on Forge Pond is, is what the reference was to. Um, but the, these are projects were, that were referenced by the board that I think represent an, an initial sort of view of the types of things that would be uh, a good fit and, and I think are consistent with the, the look and feel and character of the downtown today. That seem, seem about right? Did I, other than the waterfall project, did I find the, the right ones? Yeah, I think, it, so this was the feedback from that study group you're saying. I thought this was from you all, from the planning board, in an email. Yeah, I heard you say that. That's why I questioned it. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that that's accurate. Okay. No, I don't think so. I, I think it was more a, um, I mean, we've had several round, uh, community meetings okay. on what people liked or didn't like downtown. And, and I would say in some level that's probably not an unfair Commentary up there. I just wanted to make sure when you said planning board, I, I don't recall that we were specifically. No, I think when we did the uh, corridor over by uh, Canton Junction, I think some of these designs were there with that study right. as well as with the 138 study. Some of these specific condo designs were chosen when individuals and the groups were asked what they liked the best. Okay, understood. So that. The attribution to the planning board is not correct, but the, but the images look. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. I remember seeing similar ones to that and everyone going, I like that, I don't like that type okay. thing. All right. So as I'm getting acquainted with the previous studies, reports, being more familiar with the district and just kind of thinking through um, all those resources, here, here are just some initial impressions which are, um, of course, subject to further um, uh, refinement and uh, sort of education on my part. But I, first off, the, the approaches that were identified in the master plan to me seem like good approaches. Um, they're the types of concepts and recommended changes that we would recommend uh, having looked at, looking at it in that context of that study as well. I think that the trick for us in this work is to actually roll up our sleeves and get into the details of how those translate into specific zoning changes um, and really dive into those details. So that's, that's what our work is. Um, to me, looking at those, the patterns of those yellows, yellow parcels that have been invested in, um, I think we, part of the, the trick is to think about ways to incentivize a focus on Washington Street, and that the Washington Street frontage has been uh, less of a focus in terms of those investments. They've been kind of a parcel that's tucked behind or a parcel that has limited frontage and the majority of its property area behind that frontage of Washington Street. So like that, figuring out what recipe of incentives and dimensional requirements 
uh, and parking um, recipe uh, would make more attraction to that Washington Street frontage, which had, might be a little bit more um, difficult, uh, you know, obviously since it wasn't that first round of investment that's occurred the last two decades, but try, trying to strengthen the approach to investment there. And, and I think in so doing, it would get to that third bullet point, which would strengthen the town center orientation um, and, and really get to the, the downtown feel, which a lot of the community was expressing in those other planning processes. Um, that comes hand in hand with strengthening the pedestrian environment. Um, and I think trying to build in some of the design standards and requirements of developers when they're making those investments that they, they are uh, a part of the improvement of the pedestrian environment and seeing what we can do in terms of making sure that the, that's not an overly onerous request, but that they are also contributors to it. Um, and then I think, as I've mentioned, clarifying the intent and simplifying the zoning map, the overlays, the multiple underlying zones, the split lots, uh, I think that's, that's a lot of uh, good work that this process can result in. And then finally, aligning the districts with the Section 3A requirements. I saw previously there was, uh, your town planner had made a presentation to the select board about identifying possible solutions, these districts being a part of those solutions. Um, the, the final guidelines are out now from DHCD, so I think we can move with a little more confidence uh, thinking about how these districts and these zoning changes play into the solution for the town. Um, and then just thinking about the, as we make these recommendations, that how it relates to those requirements, special permit versus by right multifamily, uh, the density and size of the district, and, and those calculations for overall unit counts. Um, but I, I just want to highlight that, that it, it would be uh, not great if we don't try to solve that for you in this process because it was previously defined, so we need to keep that in mind. Any questions on any of those initial impressions? If I may. Um, split lots. Um, obviously, you, you picked up on a few of them. We, we were presented with a development not too long ago where we had a split lot and had a tug of war over open space because part of it was in one district and part was in another that didn't require open space, et cetera, et cetera. And we came to, I think, a fair resolution with that developer. Um, but is it common in towns? Because it feels like it's, it, 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 I mean, when you're drawing the zoning maps, you'd think that you'd be able to figure out where a lot line is. I mean, it doesn't, but, it, but I can also see where it can be you know, you just pick a street and, and don't pay attention to what may be the actual line. I, I think it's more, it is common. It shows up in a fair amount of districts. It's, it's less common to create them, I think, today. Right. And it was more common in previous um, eras of zoning practice to use uh, like street center line offsets as the way to create a district. And I think now the, the preference in, in sort of um, Default approach is more to go with property lines as sort of the definition of, of a district. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've, we've seen processes recently. I can think of off the top of my head, like Winchester went through a process recently where they um, specifically realigned zoning districts to move from offsets to property lines um, and went through um, a process like this, working with property owners of kind of figuring out which, which would be in and which would be out. Yeah mostly basing it upon proximity to the, the frontage of the main corridor is kind of the, the delineator um, and where that property is accessed from. 
It was one of the one of the lists that you. Um, uh, I think it was the goals. I can't remember the exact title. Um, I think many of them were pretty spot on with what I think we I had heard. I shouldn't put anyone else in there that I had heard at numerous ones of those meetings, and I can easily say that I think I hear from resident after resident in town um, of what they want. I think one of my observations over the last number of years for downtown is is that. Everyone says they want more restaurants. Um, I think our downtown, because of this, it's, it's not the zoning, and it's not, even though people want to say it's the parking, in my opinion, it's most likely the size of the buildings. We don't have any buildings that are wide enough that allow a restaurant to come in that may have sizable enough seating to make the economics of a restaurant work today. Um, unless they uh, redevelop it, yeah. Yeah, unless the unless some reason a develop uh, an owner tears down a couple of buildings, but that seems to be something. When you walk downtown, you realize that these buildings are often quite small, and don't really um, allow for that. It, 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 obviously, we hear people complain immensely about parking, mm-hmm. um, and and obviously we can't just fix that. <laughs> um, we'd all love to, but I don't think we can. Um, uh, and then uh, the, the the sheet you put up was on signage and stuff like that. That's been an, a pretty consistent thing we have heard at every every public forum we have ever done. <laughs> is that the town center is messy? It's visually dirty. It's it's it, it it's not cohesive. Um, and we want to make sure. In my at least the feedback I also heard was we don't want to be and I'm going to throw out a couple town names. We don't want to be Wellesley, but we don't want to be something else, if that makes sense. It does. And just to clarify, the, the parking complaints is mostly regarding like on-street availability. Yeah, lack of. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the parking study, you know, I guess relatively recent, does show that there's quite a bit of off-street parking capacity most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Of unlocking that capacity. Private though. It it is it's a it's a trick, as you know better as well as I, since you do this for a living, people want parking within an inch of the door. And as a result of that we don't have that. And so people just use it as their rationale that they you know, there's no parking in front of blank when I drove by, that means there's no parking. When a block away there's ten spaces or eight spaces. That would be nice to have a municipal parking lot, but we don't. Right, right, exactly. It's one, it's one of the unfair and tough burdens that downtown districts carry because people are willing to walk really far to a shopping mall from the edge of a parking it's lot. It's crazy, yeah, Maybe. so true, it's so true. All right. Um. Do you have a question, Mr. Quigley? Oh, sorry, yes. Taking into consideration possible uh, infrastructure uh, work on the road itself, like maybe redesigning some intersections, making vehicular traffic be able to get through the center of town so people can actually enjoy it instead of looking straight ahead so they can not hit the car in front of them that comes to a complete stop. You know, it's, we, we lost the turning lane at Baldwin Street, which I think has had a, a, a real detrimental uh, effect on the downtown. We tried to create the two-way track, not two-way, the two lanes on the south end of the town, but that it's good in theory, but it doesn't really work because there's no signage, there's no markings, there's no 
physical barrier that stops that lane when it's supposed to stop. I mean, there's, right, right. there's a lot of uh, issues downtown. What street was that turning? Lane? Washington Street. Washington. Yeah, the whole corridor. And Bolivar. In Bolivar, in Washington, Bolivar. Bolivar. Okay. particular, yeah. Well, uh, Washington Church Street, Washington Ponce Street. Do you remember the year, Jim, when they did the redesign? I don't remember the actual year. But it was state money. It was state and federal money that came in, so they did all the curb, mm -hmm. you know, to make, to quote unquote, make pedestrian traffic safer and slow down traffic. And it didn't. And, and Instead, people are running it over and hitting those lovely granite yeah, so corners. You know, you, you've heard that from every town. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the same struggle every town has. We have, an, we have a significant amount of traffic. You know, I wasn't in town back when Paul, the, the, the rubber, rubber, you know, the, the, the Paul Revere Heritage Site was actually a manufacturing site, but people used to say downtown was a cluster for that hour when, when that when it came shifts out. came out. And, and Emerson coming too. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And then, and now we just have, as you, you know, today we've got people that, and I, we're all guilty of it. This is not a, a comment about other than myself. I mean, we all drive kind of sort of everywhere. We go, oh, let's go get a cup of coffee. I gotta go to the gym. I gotta go to the dry cleaner. So you're just constantly moving about in Washington Street is a main thoroughfare, north and south in town from Sharon out of town. And it just carries an enormous amount of traffic. So for two hours in the morning or an hour and a half in the morning, you'd think you were on the Southeast Expressway with <laughs> horn honking and people yelling at each other. And then from Noon three o'clock. Time. Noontime's bad. Yeah. Time is very bad, yeah. 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 Were those recent investments part of com complete streets investments? It was, uh, it, it's it not was recent as in oh, 10 okay. years. It's recent as in 25 years. I was going to say, I was gonna say almost 30 yeah, years right, now. Closer to 20 years. It wasn't in this century, I think it was. Yeah. Because like <laughs> I, did, I did see some improvements for the downtown area identified in the complete streets priority planning. So I imagine those haven't, those investments haven't actually hit the street yet. No, they're still uh, working on the complete streets, as, yeah. as I recall. Yeah. They're starting to do, implement some of them, but like most towns, they're running into issues with staffing. Mm. I guess the, the, the short answer to that is we, in this work, we won't be looking too much at infrastructure and the roadway. Of course, we're, we're open to taking that information in and, and seeing how it compares to prior roadway planning processes, but that, that will just be uh, a little too much uh, for us to bite off in this study. How about the MBTA community, uh, whatever you want to call it? I, I have a word I can't use, what I would call it, but you know, the, the uh, having to build, you know, change zoning for housing. How is that going to affect your plans going forward with what you want to do down there? We have to meet those standards because of course we have to meet the housing standards for that requirement. Right, for, to be eligible for those same grants, grants mass works yeah. and, and such. Um, yeah, I, what do you mean specifically in terms of how that might relate to the infrastructure? Is that what you're asking? No, in terms of uh, like the mixed use, the, the housing, I mean, yes. the buy, uh, was it by right? But that's gonna affect if somebody downtown sells a building, we could end up with a you know, 50 unit apartment building there. That's maybe not part of that, you know, the future yeah. what you're looking at. Yeah, I think we, as part of this work, um, I think we'll be picking up on the options that were outlined in the presentation to the Board of Selectmen, which were included these two sub-districts, but also uh, the sub-district C, the Paul Revere area, and Canton Junction, that area as well. So 
Um, depending on how many of those areas you want to include, it might not actually have to change the current zoning that much in terms of density or units that you might expect. If you concentrate those requirements into just, say, these two sub-districts, then the density would have to uh, increase to accommodate that. So it just depends on sort of that trade-off between how much area versus uh, density. How you do it. And the trick with the trick with that that state money is, is my understanding is you don't have to make any changes. You just don't get any money. Yeah, okay. yeah. See, so yeah. there are towns in the Commonwealth that are saying we're not doing anything because we don't want your money. Right. I, I believe there will be towns within the MAPC region that take that approach. Absolutely. Yeah. I some of them publicly already. Yeah, but some some of them are will I think be heading that way. Absolutely. Which is also, a I mean, it's a choice you all have too. So that's hasn't hasn't seemed like that was one of the preferred options from the presentation I looked at, but um, that is is one of the options. So just to to wrap up here, the last thing I want to touch on was the community engagement strategy. So um, I do think there will be a lot of benefit in this work to get in touch to do some focus groups and or individual interviews. Um, in our files, I found quite a wealth of. <coughs> Um, contact information for local area developers, Canton Center businesses and property owners. I didn't find as many contact information for residents. Um, so if there are residents that you think would be good to reach out to. And then uh, of course a lot of also good information contacts for uh, town board committee and staff members. So if there are specific contacts you think that would be good to include in that more individualized outreach. I'd be happy to receive those uh, via email um, if you have an email address or phone number. And then I'll, I'll beginning, be, be beginning to reach out to people to um, hear specifically about, you know, a discussion about zoning changes with them. And not, I'm not going to, um, I'm kind of approaching this work that the conversation around visioning and what the community wants have, has been had. And so we're moving straight into what those zoning changes should be to uh, enact that vision. Then we will have uh, kind of the, the focus group meetings uh, as they tend to do will um, some will get be very easy to set up others will not be so I, I tend to just let that kind of run almost through the course of the process and be open to talking to people as they're available. Uh, other than that we'll have uh, two community <clears throat> excuse me two community meetings uh, one virtual and one in person I haven't yet decided what, which would be better in terms of leading with in-person or leading with virtual. Um, I guess I'm leaning a little bit more towards the first meeting being in-person. I think that might be good. That first session will likely land in the November, uh, second half of November or <coughs> beginning half of December, which is typically a good kind of working around Thanksgiving as a holiday. That would include an outline of um, the work that we're building upon, summaries of the previous studies, what, what we've heard f through those, uh, a summary of initial ideas, the analysis of the district that we're preparing, and then gathering feedback around those initial ideas uh, where it's a little safer to put out a, uh, a suite of potential zoning changes and get feedback on them initially before they're looking finalized in any way and get information. With that feedback in hand, we would then 
use the, the months before the next meeting to really get into drafting recommendations and changes, working with you all. And then have a second session in February or March of 2023 where we really focus on the, the language around those changes with the community and get uh, additional feedback on making that language final so it can move toward um, you know, a, a town meeting process. Not, not spring town meeting. I think, we've, I think the timeline that we're on now is, is pretty clear that it, it, we're not aligned for a spring town meeting. That would be too quick for a zoning change. And, uh, when, we, we, when we enter that calendar situation, we always hear feedback on zoning changes at town meeting that that feels rushed. Yeah, so. we usually have to have a lot of that information done in January, February, so we'd have to be for 2024. So I think at the, at the earliest, this would be looking at um, next fall's town meeting. And then um, probably between those two, we'll have a follow-up community survey, which would allow us to gain additional feedback, probably um, building upon the types of initial ideas and feedback that we built into the session one and expand the, the amount of people we'll be able to uh, interact with through the survey. Um, so under the Canton Center Business and Property Owners, um, I would, I would, there's a there's an alleged Canton Center Business Group, and I say alleged because they don't meet. There's also the Economic Development Committee for the town, okay. so that certainly is a group that should be reached out to there. And then I would throw in um, the Canton Alliance for Business and Industry, commonly referred to as CABI. Um, uh, uh, but you specifically want to focus on those individual businesses that are in the center, not necessarily on the periphery of the, the not in, your, in District A and District B, not further out, or do you? Yeah, I think we, we're, I'm open to discuss, I mean, everyone in town will feel a sense of ownership on the downtown, so it's yes. good to branch out a little bit, but I do want to focus on. Um, yeah, those. I'd like to add that maybe the master plan implementation committee be con consulted with too. Right. The chair of that is, not, is the chair of the economic development committee. So that's pretty easy. Thank you. <laughs> Good point. Um, uh, yeah, to, to, Pat, to Patty's comment, I'll expand on that. The cabbie does not focus on downtown. I'll say that. I'll probably get yelled at by somebody in town later that I said that publicly. But I will say that the Bank of Canton has an office, obviously, in the center, which is a big piece of our architectural significance and so forth, and they are a big part of CABI. So it's not like, uh, but, but the average business owner in the center of town is not paying dues to CABI. Understood. I'm sure there's some. So everyone at CABI, hear me say that. There's some. It's just not a big part of it. Great. That's, that's helpful. I'll make sure that I highlight those in those contexts. Yeah, and our interim town planner, I can't remember if he's chair of assessors right now. Is he chair of assessors or not? I can't remember. He's, he's, on, he's on assessors, and he's also on the Economic Development Committee, and he's an integral part of CABI as well. So he, he is a phenomenal resource on those pieces for you, and a good guy. Thank you, Joe. We we're just trying to remember if he was the chair of the assessors or not. Kathy, did you have any comments on this yet? Um, no, I'm okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I did have a comment. Um, Certainly, Joe. Yeah, I, I wanted to re reiterate with uh, what um, Jim Quigley had talked about about the um, 
the driving through Kenton Center, and particularly that right-hand turn on Bolivar, how that is, um, I mean, that Washington uh, corridor with the parking, I, I think really should be at the top of the list. So thank you. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've heard a number of people say this, and I don't know if this is factual or not, but that we can't do anything about that because of it's a being state issue. I, I have no idea how factual that is. Yes, I know, I know when they did all that um, downtown over, they had to remove those for safety reasons. They wanted to make it more pedestrian. That was tied in with getting the money. I don't know if still this many years later you couldn't do it. I know some towns that have done it have taken them out because of this issue, or they've had issues with, unfortunately, people just running over them <laughs> and yeah. it didn't do it. It didn't serve its purpose. I think the big trick, is, and it's in any center, it's in any town. We want traffic to move, but we want traffic to move safely. I mean, you could be in Canton Center in the morning and not have a car go, not have a car go over 10 miles an hour, and you can go an hour later and a car is going 35, 40 miles an hour. <laughs> so it is just one of those things of where's the balancing act. It's a, it's a brutal thing because there's bottlenecks all throughout town. It's not just the center. Although that's a cause of most of the bottlenecks. The center? And most of those bottlenecks occur in the morning before school starts and the afternoon when school gets out because the, uh, the um, Canton High School charges uh, students money to ride the bus and many families choose not to pay it. And that creates a, 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 a huge traffic problem during those times. Thank you, Joe. Any other comments on this slide? In just one minute, if you don't mind, I want to make sure that if we're moving on to the next. Yeah, this is the, the could, last. If we could wait till the end of the, for the, for the public to speak, that'd be great. Thank you. The last slide I have is this one with the updated schedule. So I, I basically took the schedule which Chris had prepared with you all last spring and just adjusted. So September is the first box there and kind of pulled that across. Um, so that would, uh, I think it still works, that approach um, with our, Again, public forums landing in that November, December timeframe or February, March, and we can uh, work with you all to identify dates which we both would have a, a venue for and some availability on the board's calendar. Um, and then we will work with you uh, expecting to likely be uh, before the board at some point, maybe later in October to talk about some additional uh, work on our behalf and then uh, preparation for that first forum. Um, so we'll work with you all to figure out which, which agenda might be best to pop back in with you all. I know when we've had public forums before, um, we've had them at the library community room. So if we, when we discuss it, um, I can reach out to the library when we know closer to a date and find out if we can, because that book's up fast, <laughs> I can okay. tell you that. Great. Um, well, that's... That's what I had for this evening to get us rolling again. Um, and again, my email address and information is on the screen. I'm just, thank you all for the time this evening and to get this started again. We're very excited to work thank on this. Thank you, Josh. And if, if you wouldn't mind emailing that to, to sure. Karen so she can send it to us. And, and Heather, if you have a question, you're welcome to go ahead and ask it. If anybody else has one, too. 
guys have seen that um, last week, Julie Drogowski from MAPC did a presentation for the Washington Street Corridor that also would probably help with what Mr. Quigley had recommended or talked about, which was the different intersections, the narrowing of roads, widening things. I didn't know if that would be helpful to incorporate with what you could be presenting now. And if you want, I can just send it to Karen and That'd be great. see if that helps. Thank I figured you. you guys, since it's all MAPC, I figured we're all on the same page, but I figured some of the things that are on here might be helpful, some might not be, but um, I think the thing with the traffic on this one was is it's showing that um, more lights in along Washington Street from Cobbs Corner all the way to downtown and narrowing the downtown area. So I don't, I think it's gonna kind of go against what Dave, what Dave is saying. It's, so I think they're, that happy medium. Not what I was saying, what Jim was saying. Both, whatever. I wasn't saying that. No, I know, it's just <laughs> what they're showing in this and what probably needs to be done. I don't know, I don't know if there's actually a, a, an answer, but I think if you saw it, you might want to just see what they have to show so it might help whatever I'd it is love to we're see trying it. to do. That'd be great, especially if there might be overlap too, so that way. Mm. And then if we the need wheel. to, we can bring it up at the traffic committee in December or next year, of course, just to see if there's any way to maybe I'll tie it in if that's of any help. Great. Thank you. Is there anybody else from the audience that wanted to speak on the matter? No. Gosh, thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you all. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you as well. Mr. Houston, you didn't have any questions by chance, did you? Okay. <laughs> that was a noisy laptop. I don't think I realized how noisy that was. They are very noisy. He just shut his off. Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was the projector. Was projector, fa projector fan, pretty loud. <laughs> well, I'd like to make a motion that we open item number two, 1177R Pleasant Street, Wardwell Road. Can I get a second? Second. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. And I'm an aye. Attorney Stady? Right, Madam Chair, members of the board, thank you for seeing us this evening. Uh, I think you remember the engineer Tim Powers here with me, along with the, the petitioners, uh, Paul Fellman and his son, uh, Ryan, and also a couple of interested neighbors who spoke in support last time. Um, we do not anticipate closure on this, unfortunately. We did get the responses to uh, PSC. Uh, he, uh, he needs a, an additional time, of course, to review those items. Uh, so the purpose of coming in tonight was first just to check in and also to see if we could just discuss a couple of small items, perhaps if Tom is able to do it. I'm not trying to put him on a spot, but there were a few things we just wanted to get clarification on, if we could. Sure. Uh, and we know we're going to need a continuance. But we did send to you the list of waiver requests. If you would know, just for the record, we eliminated one. Uh, we have agreed to provide the 8-inch water main and not the 6-inch uh, water line. So that has been removed from our list. Um, I think... Again, looking at what our engineer has prepared in terms of responding to the fine comments from PSC, uh, we're pretty close, but 
there are some areas of differences in terms of whether or not we might need a waiver or not. And I'd like to, with your permission, allow Tim to perhaps put those in a more proper setting for you to discuss through you, of course, to Tom, if that's possible. Certainly, Mr. Powers. Go ahead. Thank you. Sir. Sure. Thank you. So um, three main issues I'm going to uh, uh, bring up tonight and I'll hopefully go through. One is uh, um, the easements around the drainage. Uh, two is some questions about sewer. And then three, a couple interpretation questions for stormwater. Uh, the first one is the easements. A uh, number of comments were related to uh, preparing easements uh, and draft easements around the drainage. Uh, given this is a, a private road, uh, we'd like to include in the, uh, in the Homeowners Association documents uh, that these uh, infrastructure improvements are, are there uh, generally uh, and that the Homeowners Association has to maintain them and keep them um, active in accordance with the approved drawings rather than draw a, a easements, uh, I'm sorry, a, a meets and bounds plan, a more traditional design where there's maybe one pipe that the town will need to then come and access that one easement and one basin. Uh, I think that's what the, the, the regulations are written to, but in this case with the low impact design where we have a number of swales, uh, rain gardens and other things, we kind of want that to encompass that um, globally that just says there is drainage, it has to be maintained, and the HOA has the ability to go in and do it. That is a recorded document, so I think it does satisfy the uh, perfecting the, the land that um, there is easements right to access that there. So I just wanted to get the flavor of the board, if that was an acceptable approach, if there are any major objections, because obviously then we'll have to prepare some other, some other documents. But uh, that was the first one. I'm going to stop as we go, right. uh, just for any commentary. Well, first time time. I don't have any comments. Does any, any of the board members have any comments on that? Mr. Houston? Well, I think uh, Tim's viewpoint is correct. I think the regulations were <clears throat> written with respect to easements for a more conventional closed drainage system, which is easier to encompass with uh, meets and bounds easements. So I don't think there's really a problem with something like uh, an easement over the entirety of the subdivision. Obviously, common sense indicates that people aren't going to trespass on portions of property not necessary for the maintenance. I think that's just common sense. So I don't see an inherent problem in not having specific meets and bounds easements for the drainage. Great. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. And this is actually a common. I've worked on some shopping centers with multiple lots, and it's a common uh, easement agreement set up so that there's not uh, meets and bounds all over the place. So that's where the concept came from, at least for me. Yeah, I, I would say the only issue is that one of the beneficiaries of the easements probably should be the town, because the town needs the ability to enter the subdivision and uh, address emergency situations with the drainage, not regular maintenance. But if there's some unusual condition, the town DPW needs rights to enter the subdivision and take care of that. So uh, that should just be addressed in the language of the HOA. So. Sure. Um, all right, moving on to the, the sewer, uh, a couple of, uh, of, of items. One, um, I believe one of the comments was related to if there's not a gravity sewer, uh, a waiver needs to be provided. However, we saw in the regulations that it's sort of a trickle down that if gravity, if it cannot be achieved by gravity, then a pump is okay. If it cannot be pumped, then septic's okay. 
uh, as long as the planning board finds that that's appropriate. So we're just, we have included it in our list of waivers. I'm not sure it's necessary to be a waiver or if it's just the planning board making a determination uh, that yes, the site is downhill from the sewer, so pump systems are okay. Um, we're happy to leave it as a waiver uh, unless there's a different procedure the board would like to take. And again, you're gonna need obviously time to look at that, but we just want to keep your heads up, that's all, you know, on that one, that's all. Um, uh, the next one for the sewer was the location of the force main. Uh, uh, Mr. Houston recommended we put it in the shoulder. Given that we have some swales, uh, tight shoulders in areas, uh, we'd actually like to keep it uh, in the road. Uh, I also always have some concern um, with utilities in the shoulder with uh, getting dug up, because uh, uh, not in the street. So uh, I'm not sure if that's preference or design. I, don't, I didn't see a regulation that it needed to be in the shoulder, so I just wanted to Make sure the board didn't have any objection, but. Actually, <clears throat> there were two of us in the firm that worked on it, and that was one of my ideas. It was? <laughs> yes, it was. We, we had Quails, worked that yeah. out on a couple of other subdivisions to put it in the shoulder just so if you ever had to dig it up, and these are pretty small pipes, so digging it up is possible. We thought it'd be better to get it out from under the pavement, but I didn't think, and you correctly called my attention to the fact that conflicts with the drainage swales. So just but another bad idea I had. That's <laughs> all right. No, that's all right. Thank you. Uh, all right, so then moving on to stormwater, uh, a couple uh, interpretation questions first. And I, I noted these in my letter too. Uh, and this is uh, for number 28 uh, with the, the first inch rule. So uh, Mr. Houston's comment was that uh, you need to um, uh, capture one inch of stormwater uh, prior to any infiltration uh, and achieve 44% TSS. Uh, the way I've seen this and the way I read it, uh, I think is more consistent with the state, is that um, the entirety of the stormwater system has to retain the first inch of runoff for water quality. Uh, and then, and also, that because you're doing infiltration, you need to meet 44%. So uh, with Mr. Houston's interpretation, I'd have to enlarge all of my pretreatment to hold one inch of water before it gets to the infiltration basin, uh, which I think is, uh, is too onerous of a rule, and I don't think it's consistent with the state. Uh, so that's why I'm, uh, again, asking the board for their interpretation. And it's, it's written, again, in the local regulations, uh, which is why it's brought up here, uh, versus just the state stormwater standard. So what we have done is we meet the one inch rule. Uh, we retain the entire one inch across our entire drainage system. We also meet 44% TSS removal prior to any infiltration uh, is taken credit for. Uh, so that's how we've, we've split it up. So that's, the, that's my question to the board, if they, what their interpretation is. Otherwise, again, we have to go back and increase our drainage a little bit. Does anybody have any comments on that matter? No? Mr. Houston? I think I agree with your interpretation, which is that you have to treat the first inch achieving 44% TSS removal, and then it has to also, the first inch has to be infiltratable in the system, which your calcs indicate it is. So I'm not sure I understand the alternative interpretation, but I look at it the way you take do. a look. Okay. okay, thank you. Great. We appreciate that. We do. Um, similar uh, interpretation, uh, this is for number 29. Uh, might be easier if I read this one. So I think the. Um, the language, and it is a little bit confusing, uh, so that's why I wanted to bring to the attention. Um, Mr. Houston's comment, um, or PSC's comment, was that stormwater runoff controls must maintain, uh, match uh, pre-development rates and volumes uh, for the designed storms. Uh, and that's the end of the quote. 
the rest of the regulation says uh, must be matched for the design store specified herein. Further down, it says that the flow for 210 and 100 uh, needs to be less than existing, and then the volume must meet for just the two-year. Uh, so those are two different standards. The, the first way is a little more restrictive. Right. Uh, the second way is how we is how we read it and how we designed the two. So again, just want to clarify: matching just the volumes for the two-year storm, uh, but flows for all three storms. Anybody on the board have a question? Yes, that <clears throat> those regulations are specifically designed to confuse the first time designers. So yep. uh, <laughs> I am new to the town, so a lot of these might just be learning. It's learning a trial first, so. by Maiden voyage, yeah. Yep. So, yep. yeah. No, they, the the loss that you cited is the correct approach. You need to attenuate peak rates for each storm, but uh, volume for the two year. Great, okay, and that's, a, that's what we've done. Um, uh, last one goes to the low impact design, uh, two comments, uh, and, then I, and then I'm done. Um, uh, PSC recommended, um, and again, I think it's just a recommendation that it may be better to have catch basin inlets rather than the curb breaks. Um, I'd sort of argue the point that I think the curb breaks and swales is more to low impact design. Uh, the thought being that the inlets, uh, although you don't may not see as much erosion, uh, you don't see any problems in the inlets if there's anything in there. The swales are adequate to do uh, treatment level. Uh, the grasses and things can help draw up uh, oils and pollutants in the soil. And it's visual for the homeowners that are there. They can see, hey, my the swale's eroding, there's a problem here, whereas if there's something hiding in the catch basin, oil spill or something, nobody will ever see it. So I think a little bit of six of one, half a dozen of the other, I think the way we present it is more towards low impact design. Uh, and the last one, again, for low impact design is for the comment of providing access, uh, 15 foot wide access to the rain gardens, um, which I think is, those are meant to be small, those are meant to be accessed by typical landscape companies, not so much excavators. Uh, the basin, we've provided a, a, a bench and, and maintenance path, so I think that's appropriate. Uh, but I just wanted to, again, get the flavor of the board on those two pieces and how we've approached it for the low-impact design, and, and obviously Mr. Houston's. Um, I assume you're talking about item number 31 in particular? Yes. Okay. My concern is, of course, I love the idea of swales. I was one of the ones in favor of it. My concern with swales is in some subdivisions, what happens is they think it's their property. They felt, the, unfortunately, landowner or homeowner will fill it in. And a concern I have is if when the HOA is finally developed, that we have a cursory look at it to make sure all of the points that we're concerned about are actually in it, including this, to make sure that they know they're not supposed to, oh, we don't like that anymore, we want it. we're going to fill it in, and that's going to create a whole bunch of problems sure. down the line. So I just want to make sure that it's stated that when, when we hopefully we have it before your next meeting, before you come, that we can see the HOA with the conditions and concerns of the waivers, that the understanding is with the deed, with whomever purchases the properties, they understand that they have to meet um, certain expectations including keeping the swales. Yeah, the HOAs, if I may, is a, a work in progress, and we deliberately held off because we wanted to see how the, we went in terms of waivers and other things. But we'll have that, you know, for the, for the next time we meet. I appreciate that. Certainly. Thank you, Attorney Staney. Okay, that's a good call. That's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, I guess with respect to the inclusion of catch basins, uh, <clears throat> you could look at it a number of ways. I think, you know, the... Design without the catch basins is more consistent with the low impact design approach. I think it can function without them. 
I think we'd regard that as kind of the designer's choice as to uh, how they would uh, treat that. So uh, can I, uh, the second question, I'm sorry. Was uh, there was a comment about providing mm -hmm. a 15 foot wide uh, yeah. access path. Oh, for the, uh, yeah, no. That's, uh, not, uh, my question is not related to the large infiltration basin. Yeah, no, that's not necessary. Any other questions on that, comments? Those were, those were my technical questions. The other comments in general, we've, we've said we've addressed and revised the plans accordingly, so Mr. Houston can review them in time. I, I would make that comment that I think uh, Tim has been quite responsive, and I don't anticipate any difficulty ironing out the details here, except we just couldn't do it by tonight. So. Madam Chair, if it would please the board, um, I would ask for continuance to your second meeting in October. We know we're going to have sufficient time to respond to Mr. Houston's comments and then respond back again. Uh, I think that's a safer course of action, and council will not be available for your first meeting. So okay. well, I think that second meeting is the 19th, I believe. Is the 19th or 17th? I believe it is. Well, truth comes out, you're not available. <laughs> I heard that. Just wanted to make sure. I wonder who told you that. I have to be here for his client, so I understand that. I totally agree. It is uh, the 19th. 19th. So if we could ask for continuance to the 19th. Certainly. Like Karen, do I need to file anything in terms of, are we still okay? So that it's okay, fine. Thank you. So I'll make a motion that we continue this to October 19th, 2022. May I get a second? Yes, second. Jim? Aye. Okay. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate everything. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Thank you very much. Good to see you as well. Thank Have you. a good evening. <clears throat>
the road be um, conveyed to the uh, town of Kim. Um, so I think we've achieved the, um, we've satisfied the criteria uh, under the conditions of the bond and would therefore request that the uh, board release that bond. Um, and to be exact, do we know the exact dollar amount that should be released, Mr. Plant? $540,000. $540,000. Are there any board members that have any questions on the matter? Um, Mr. Yeah, I do. Mr. I'll McCarthy? start. Um, uh, I guess I have some questions regarding what I saw was a couple of emails going back and forth for what I'll refer to as a punch list of items still to be completed. Um, there was a punch list. The punch list has been satisfied. Didn't we just see that punch list like two days ago or a day ago? The original punch list is from January, and I think that was the one. Um, there was another punch list I think we received, reviewed or saw from Regan. Um, trying to remember. Specifically, I'd have to check my emails. I don't think I printed it out, but uh, I believe, according to engineering, everything is okay in reference to every the concerns that they had. Right. That's, um, what we, that's what we were told. Yes, but when but I've actually spoken to them, and that they said that, that as far as they know, everything has been met that's supposed to be met mm -hmm. for the roadway. Um, as well, the only concern I think outstanding was actually conservation had an issue that still needed to be addressed. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I, I think you need to, I, you probably already have re reached out to Regan about that matter, but that definitely does need to be addressed still as well. Yes, I spoke to Regan today. Mr. Houston, did you have any comments on the matter? Let me just, if we can just go oh, back, certainly. what's the issue with conservation, just before we close that up, oh, what's certainly. the issue with conservation and Regan? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but the, I'd be happy. The issue is that there's an open order of conditions for which a certificate of compliance has not been uh, issued. The way it was applied for, there was a request for a certificate of compliance for lot one uh, and for the roadway in the same request. And uh, when we started processing it, it sort of got bifurcated and... Uh, uh, lot one had a few issues, but the roadway was cleaner. So I think the Conservation Commission probably will be in a position uh, to issue a certificate of compliance, but that process hasn't evolved yet. So, Is it a 30-day, 60-day type process? Two-day process? It, it <clears throat> when Mr. Plant... Uh, reinstates the request for a certificate of compliance because it was denied. Okay. So he, Mr. Plant needs to reinstate that and the Conservation Commission will go over any specific issues related to the roadway. But I don't recall uh, any significant issues related to the roadway itself. The sort of outstanding items were more on lot one. If I, re if I read correctly, it was uh, in reference to a partial certification of compliance for the DEP file 
124-1169, Lot 1, Revolutionary Way only. I believe that was the item specifically mentioned. And you're still working on that with Regan, I take that. So you've spoken with her today, and I, I know she um, had emailed as well to find out about it. At, um, so that was, that's only, I think that's the only outstanding item that there is that I'm aware of. Did, Tom, did you, um, anything else you can think of, or that was it? No, I mean, <clears throat> we had two areas of concern. One was uh, uh, evidence that the town engineering department's punch list had been satisfied because the town engineering department not only developed the punch list, they also observed the um, construction that did the required corrections. So uh, we didn't really have up-to-date information on that. Uh, we did receive an email uh, from Lisa Gregor, the associate town engineer, uh, who said that <clears throat> she and uh, the public works department had gone through the punch list and both were satisfied. And I think with respect to, to that, the DPW is the department that has to maintain it. So if they're satisfied with it, I think that's... Uh, reasonably powerful evidence that, that the uh, improvements are done at least to their satisfaction. The other issue I had was <clears throat> on easements because the version of the as-built plan that I had for Revolution Way did not depict easements exterior to the right-of-way itself. And there are two locations where there are infiltration facilities that the road depends upon that are outside the right-of-way. There's another location where the sanitary sewer in the roadway uh, goes cross-country for about 150 feet in sort of an L-shape and then connects into an MDC sewer. So those easements weren't shown on the uh, as-built plan of, of Revolution Way. So uh, <clears throat> Mr. Plant, or maybe it was Lisa, somebody sent me today, uh, the two as-built plans, an as updated as-built plan of Revolution Way. It shows two of those easements. There's a small easement that's not shown on there, but the smaller easement is shown on a separate plan set, which shows easements for uh, the entire subdivision. And that so. was the one that includes the water line that goes through? Um, yeah, okay. see, it's that like the nine-sheet set of, of uh, easements and the easements on that plan include meets and bounds along the the uh, I know that was a big concern edge the, of the easement so the, the, the only thing we don't have that you usually have with the subdivision is written deed descriptions of the easements somebody describes in text uh, around each easement and then that gets recorded in the registry of deeds it may be, although it's, that's the conventional way to do it, it may be sufficient just to record the plans that show the easements graphically with the meets and bounds. So that, that was the only thing I noticed. I, I had a question because somebody, I don't remember who was, brought it up. Um, were there anything to do with the Army Corps of Engineers? Has that all been met as far as we I know? Do, I don't know that. Um, do you know? How to I do, do. it? <laughs> So our obligation, uh, as to the easements, uh, 
Mr. Houston's right, uh, in addition to the subdivision plan, a uh, substantial set of drawings with easements all over the place was recorded, and a uh, conveyance of all those easements was also recorded. Um, so everything is of record right now. The Army Corps of Engineers, um, we had to satisfy certain conditions in 2019, which we did. They've, uh, so they signed off in 2019. Everything was copacetic. They came back in 2020 and 2021, and then this year came back and added some stuff to the list. It's fairly minor stuff, and we've just about finished it. It's not our responsibility, but I told, uh, uh, I told the town that I would take care of it, which we're just about complete. It's fairly minor stuff, vegetation and some cracking repair and small stuff. So in the process, Mr. Plant, do you have an Army Corps permit that is being further conditioned or are these things you need to do in order to have the permit finalized? No, the permit is good. The diversion channel is in, in, uh, hmm. is in a, uh, an acceptable shape. They come through annually and they go through a rather lengthy checklist and they, get, they either uh, a mock stuff is either acceptable, uh, marginally acceptable, or unacceptable. And by and large, everything is, not by and large, 95% of the stuff is acceptable. There's some stuff that was unacceptable or marginally that we're working on. Okay, so this is like annual maintenance. That's right. Type, type Every type. year they'll come do, uh, do <laughs> the same thing. Is there a Corps of Engineers permit for crossing the uh, three-tiered uh, conduit that was the original river channel? No. Was that discussed, you know? Um, it hit me that it might need a core permit. It's an original river channel. It's part of the but, waters of the United States. Yeah, but the, the Army Corps of Engineers has nothing to do with that, with that uh, channel. That's, uh, it's actually it's owned by the town now. There was a permit issued for the bridge crossing the division. No, I understand. I thought I wouldn't guarantee that there may, I was hoping that you might have discussed that with them, but. No. No, all right. I only had one other question that um, in reference to the deeded easements and conveyances, have, just out of curiosity, have you deeded the uh, rolling mill yet? No. To the town, okay. The rolling mill. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because I know there's all moving parts, but. Yeah, we expect to convey. It's, it's uh, actually, it's known as lot three B uh, and it's about three acres of land and it would be the barn and the mill and part of the parking lot and mill pond would all go together. And I expect that that will be done uh, maybe in December. Were there any other questions of the board members? None from me. Kathy, do you have any questions or comments? Yeah, I just want to make sure. Um, I checked my emails. Do we have anything? I, I didn't see anything from like the town engineers or anything saying the punch list was done. Um, I believe we have a. We do. We have an email that uh, 
came Karen in late this afternoon. Came very late. It came about 5:41. I can re-forward it to you, but it did get sent to you. Okay, so it, it, the whole punch list is done. That everything that was necessary to be completed has been done, according to the easements and everything. Tom sent it, Karen, and uh, forwarded it along. That and he reached out to engineering. I reached out to engineering as well and talked to the building commissioner, and there were no concerns. Okay, thank <clears throat> you. You're welcome. Do you have any questions about this, Joe? No, you just answered my question. Great. Jim, do you have any questions or comments? No. Well, I... My only concern at this point is that I don't think I'm in favor of doing the release until we get the um, uh, Conservation Commission resolved. But I don't think that's a part of, unless I'm incorrect, Mr. Houston, about the road completion and meeting the standards. <clears throat> there is an introductory uh, section of the rules and regulations that states compliance with other law regulations and permits. And the Conservation Commission is one of the agencies that's cited in that uh, section says the design has to be consistent with the regulations, and I think it says actually approved, because it's talking about the design, shall not be approved unless you get a report from the Conservation Commission saying that it's um, consistent. So it, it's <clears throat> a, a general requirement of the regulations. I found it interesting that she didn't even know the street had been accepted. So. Well, certainly an unusual process. It's not. It a, is. It's not, no, it's, no. It's, it's it's an acceptable process. It's just. It's, it's different than we normally would do. And yeah, town meeting voted it, and I understand, and I'm going to yep. yep, follow town meeting. Absolutely. Well, if, if somebody, is anybody honest? Do want to speak on the matter? Anybody have any comments about? If anybody wanted to entertain a motion, I'd be happy to. Feel free to do so. On the matter, if you want to release the bond today or move it to the fifth, um, I, I'd make a motion that we move the the the, the into, to the fifth or whenever Bernie feels like he can get that that issue resolved with Conservation Commission. The yeah, I agree, David. The um, order of conditions that issued uh, affected all the lots and Revolution Way. Um, we sought a um, partial uh, certification. Certificate of compliance. Certificate of compliance for Revolution Way in, in Lot 1. <clears throat> Tom's people went out and did an inspection. And they found some deficiencies on Lot 1, which have been attended to, with the exception of one item. I don't think was anything relative to Revolution Way, or if there was, it has been satisfied through the remedial work that we did to satisfy the engineering department. So I guess in my mind it's uh, somewhat perfunctory. We're going to have to go back to the Conservation Commission, seek a partial uh, certificate of compliance for Revolution Way. They will not issue or we're not in a position for them to issue a, a complete uh, 
certification of completion for the entire that entire order because there's still some work within those lots that are covered by that order that are not yet complete that is not yet complete so I think we're just honestly I, we'll go back and get it I spoke to uh, Regan today and um, and we've had this money tied up for a long time. Uh, and it'll be just released. Does anybody wish to make a motion on the matter? David? I, I'm, David? I'd make a motion that we not approve it. I already made the motion, okay. no second. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I second um, Mr. McCarthy's motion. So should we take a, a vote then, not to release the bond today, move it to the 5th pending hearing from Regan that everything has been met, and if it's been met on the 5th then we meet again and we release the bond. Yeah, absolutely. There's not sufficient time for me to, the, the Conservation Commission has to have a hearing on this matter, so I, I can't, we're not going to satisfy this by the 5th, today is the 20th of of October. We're already six weeks since I requested this, right? And the last two occasions, well, we're not sure of this, we're not sure of that, and here we are, and everything was finished the way I, you know, suggested would be finished at town meeting vote and how we are obligated with the Board of Selectmen to get a complete, notwithstanding uh, suggestion otherwise. So I think um, we've lived up to our end of the bargain. The bond is pretty straightforward in its terms, and we've satisfied those terms. So I think, um, respectfully, I think we're entitled to have that bond released. I, I, I can only go by what Mr. Houston indicated as, as a, you know, an, a potential open item, and until we get some constant... I mean, conservation could send us a letter tomorrow saying we have no oversight on it, and, and we, can but release. we can release it next meeting. We normally wouldn't, because normally of the process, yeah, because go. of the way this process this went, which is totally appropriate under the circumstances. It, we, we we were left out of the loop. We were getting emails at 5:41 today saying that finally getting confirmation that the work was complete. Well, normally, we would have Mr. Houston go out and inspect, but because which he, which he did. He went out and inspected on behalf of the Conservation Commission, I think maybe for the Planning Board, and issued a list of deficiencies that were principally related to Lot 1, which is not the subject of the discussion tonight. So the fact that you're getting information at the last minute, I, I made this request six weeks ago to have this bond released, actually long, long before that, but we had to go through the town meeting process and, and get it conveyed. And I, I can't account for the fact that we're at the last minute and this stuff is coming in when requests are made this morning for that type of information. I had the information. We conveyed that, that road to the town before September 9th. But the board has to have all, we, the select board may have had the information, but some of that information was never sent to the planning board and we have to overlook it as well as as uh, Mr. Houston. I, I'm well aware in January he did the walkthrough and everything was done and you were before us then and discussing what was done then. But um, 
the will of the board is not to release it, I'll take a vote, and, or we can just move it to the, the fifth. I, I don't know if, if Bregan, they need to actually hold a meeting for this particular item, if it's something that can be dealt with right away. <clears throat> she, she does need to hold a meeting. I think okay. that it could be an item on the next Conservation Commission agenda, which I think is next Wednesday. I'm just checking to see when. <clears throat> it's the 12th. I mean, uh, excuse me, the 28th is the next meeting, so. That's and next we're Thursday. the following week. So it could be done in time. I mean, my, my recollection that the deficiencies we noted for the road were the lack of easements and the lack of uh, uh, rims and inverts and pipe locations in the easements. The easements are now shown on the current as-built that we just got today. So I, I, I don't think from memory that there were other issues related to the road. So I'm presuming that if the Conservation Commission were to take it up at their next meeting, they would probably be in a position to issue that certificate of compliance. But obviously I can't speak for the commission, but I'm anticipating that would be the course of action. So, so I will take a vote that we move it to October 5th. I mean, that's my preference. Okay. Anybody want to second it? I'm in agreement with it. I'll second. Jim? So I think I'm going to vote no. Okay. <laughs> Joe? Uh, aye. Kathy? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm a no as well. So we will have, you'll have to be back here on Mr. Clint on the the next meeting is at the 5th of the 7th, Karen, forgive me, of October, October 5th. Yes. And we can reach out. I, I'd be happy to reach out to Regan, too, and make sure that you're on the next agenda as well to get this dealt with. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Patty? Yes, Kathy. I'm going to have to um, leave. Like I, I'm really having a, the connection's really bad. Okay. All right, feel better. All right. All right, feel better. All righty, on to item number four. Update of the MAPC, Joe Amrine. Can I get a motion to open item number four? So moved. David? Second. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. <coughs> Mr. Amrine, go ahead, please. Thank you, Madam Chair. So this is the update on the, um, uh, on the Master Plan impl Implementation Committee. So uh, it was brought up about the, um, 
that the planning board uh, does not uh, receive stipends. Uh, one of the few boards in the town that doesn't, and uh, we're arguably probably the, the most hardworking board. So uh, Emilio, at the, who happens to be in the finance committee and the chair of the master plan and implementation committee, uh, had brought that back to the finance committee, and they've formed a committee to look at weapons. Uh, the overall mood in the room was very positive that if people are going to be on a board that they should receive something. The next item is the town planner. Um, they, uh, uh, Bob McDonald, that's on the Conservation Commission, uh, is on the search committee. They did identify one candidate that's the current town planner for Stratum, New Hampshire. Uh, I think he lives in Boston on, uh, and uh, evidently, um, I don't know if they're going to move ahead with, with uh, that individual, but uh, in the meantime, they've appointed a temporary town planner, uh, mostly for administrative functions, which is Gene Manning. Uh, one thing that was noted during our discussions is I think the town planner's salary is around 80000 so that is a and is uh, possibly why the town did not get a lot of response. With an $80,000 salary, that individual probably would qualify for affordable housing. Uh, the next item we talked about is uh, the, uh, the uh, trees along scenic roadways uh, that many um, individuals and corporations, um, at times, uh, they violate the scenic roadway uh, bylaw and they, so, uh, the feedback from the, the Master Plan Implementation Committee was that the planning board would want to work with the tree warden as well as Charles, uh, Charlie Duty to uh, hold those uh, individuals uh, accountable. Uh, to, the, to your comment, Joe, um, I, we've been, we have been having meetings when people have been properly applying and doing the application for scenic roads. And I, uh, Kathy and I actually started to work on trying to rewrite what our current zoning bylaws are for scenic ways in reference to trees. So I appreciate your input. That's great. It'd be great to have a, a more of a streamlined um, way of doing it, only because we do have issues where trees have been cut down. Unfortunately, in some cases, it's, of course, utilities, and we don't have a say on the matter because it's concerning safety. But thank you. Continue, Joe. I just wanted to put my two cents in. I appreciate that. Sure, and it would be my suggestion to have uh, uh, Charlie Duty and the tree warden uh, present at a future planning board meeting. That'd be great. I'd like that uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, so that would be uh, my suggestion. The next item is uh, yeah, the uh, St. Gerard's uh, Church property, which uh, did sell for $3.2 million. They're going to go into a long process of getting public input from many different avenues. So... Uh, nothing has moved there yet. Uh, uh, the fifth item is that the, uh, they're looking at the MBTA development proposal around the Canton Junction area because that will, uh, will um, help with Canton's 10% affordable housing um, uh, that's uh, mandated by, by the state because there's different uh, zoning along the transit. So uh, really, that is the uh, gist of my report. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Amrine. Did anybody else want to talk about their committees? 
Any committee updates? I do not. Jim? Nothing. Nothing? Well, I, I have a few things I, I would like to talk about briefly. I sit on the sustainability committee as well as walk, bike, and hike. And I can tell you that the sustainability committee went before um, the select board to talk about having a, a definitive uh, company, Mass Save, come in and promote for people to have uh, energy assessments. And I actually, before this was brought before the, the select board, they're going to put out who's going to be the preferred vendor, had one done at my home um, just to get a rough idea. They were very thorough about who was coming out, when they were coming out, so there weren't any surprises about individuals that were coming to your house to do an assessment. We had $1,500 worth of insulation work and weatherproofing done on our house. Our house was built in 1880. And out of pocket, we paid about, this is mostly funded um, through Eversource, we only paid about $54 to have it done. It, it could change, depends on people's homes and what they have done or completed on it, but it's, it's going to be something that the select board has agreed to, that they're going to have a preferred vendor. They're, we aren't paying for it through the town. Again, it's through Eversource or National Grid, um, but it's something that we're trying to promote to help people, you know, cost, energy costs are definitely going up and might help people this winter with their homes. Also, we've been working with Black Earth. Um, they are, are the preferred vendor for composting in town. The hope is in the near future, we get one of the schools um, to compost. It's kind of hard because I realize with staffing and, and issues and we don't want to strain custodial staff as well as kitchen staff. Um, but we're hoping to have one in the fire building, uh, fire, one of the fire buildings, the police station. Um, and the next hope is to, depending upon discussions with um, Martha Lawless and uh, the, the uh, school committee, we'd like to put in a TerraCycle box to recycle gloves, just to make a start, because honestly, most of our schools, they don't, there isn't much of a recycling program. We don't recycle anything really in the kitchen because we don't have the means to do so, and again, it would be a strain on the custodial staff, and they are busy enough, as we all know. Um, if allowed, we'll start with the loose. And next year, we're, our hope is, with the help of, of um, the DPW and Mr. Walsh, is our plan is we're going to do a rain barrel program again since it was so popular last year we're hoping to do it again uh, in the spring as well on the walk bike and hike committee um, we are the first steps of the warner trail assessment and has been done and there, if you look at the walk bike and hike page on the town website there's information specifically about that there are more trail updates up there as well that have been we're still reviewing easements private properties uh, conservation land, parks, areas, as well as DCR and sewer easements that were part of the issues for continuing the Warner Trail. There's a fall cleanup on October 15th. Uh, if anybody wants to go onto the Facebook page um, and reach out, or go, you can also reach out through the Walk, Bike, and Hike. I believe there's an email on there. If not, you can always contact myself, patricia.mcdermott.patty at gmail.com, and we can discuss uh, if you want to volunteer on October 15th, the trail in particular that's going to be done is the one from Chapman Street that goes to the high school. Uh, we're also hoping um, to work on kiosks specifically for the Bolivar Aquatic Center area and other places in town. And currently, Jean Manning is also helping with that. Did you say there's a town-wide fall cleanup like the one that was done in the spring? No, specifically it's a trail cleanup. Trails. It's I'm not going to be something that's yeah. as massive as the one in April, which Jeffrey Sullivan, who, who helped implement that one, did a fantastic job getting like Minuteman Press and other people to yeah. donate money and such. 
but this is just the walk, bike, and hike <laughs> cleanup on the 15th of October. And um, I'll reiterate that again, of course, the October 5th meeting, but just so people know, they're welcome to email me. I can refer them to Jeff. And if you want to help volunteer, that'd be great. The more people out there helping, the, you know, many hands make quick work, as Clean, they say. Clean the trails. Exactly. Anything else anybody would like to discuss about committees? Okay. On to discussion of water use and uh, future use and future developments. Mr. McCarthy? Thank you, Ms. McDermott. So this, 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 this came up as a result. I had a, a thought and I went to the select board meeting <clears throat> as a result of the water ban in town. We have a mandatory outdoor water ban. The select board have at this point chosen not to fine people, which I understand. There's certainly a significant amount of people still watering with the irrigation systems. Um, and, and I just want to, I said this at the select board meeting and I'll just repeat it a hundred times. I am not Mr. Conservationist. This is not because my whole thought, my whole thought on this or belief on this is that we have, we, as a, I guess we know we've got this drought. We're going to likely have another one. We might have an abundant year of water, but we can't put the system under such strain, I guess is what I say. And as we continue to, um, um, to approve future developments, which I'm in favor of, our zoning allows for, it's not like we're giving special zoning relief, we should be considering things in our bylaws or regulations that aren't restrictive, not anti-business, in no way, shape, or form anti-business, but are <clears throat> intended to limit or reduce their water usage. And some of the stupid stuff um, is, I mean, you can drive around the town, any town, and there's islands and shopping parking lots, and the irrigation system is running nonstop, and I don't mean nonstop as in 24-7, but all year, and Half the time they're broken, they're shooting out in the parking lot. Why are we watering an island that's two and a half feet wide? Why aren't we putting something in that island that doesn't require water? Something that's, that's yeah, drought resistant. And right. Drought so, resistant stuff. Yeah, drought resistant or whatever. Just, just it doesn't require water. Like, what, are we, what are we doing that we're, we're doing, that we're encouraging that or requiring it? In some cases we require it. And should we be looking at that? And I don't, you know, you know, most of us have all got all the appropriate dishwashers and washing machines now. You know, that's all done. This is just other stuff that maybe we can do that can help because there could be a business that says, I'm not coming to Canton because I have a water ban <laughs> and I don't want to have a problem with my future business use of water. Of course, that's always exempt or almost always exempt, but we don't know. Right. So it's, it's more just should we be putting our thinking caps on with a couple of other town committees and saying, what can we do that's not, not restrictive, not punishing anyone, but just saying, like, what can we do? Because this water ban is still in effect after what we, a lot of people felt like we got a lot of rain. Of course, it only makes up for a small portion of what we didn't have, but. We need another foot, according to. Right. Yeah. And, and you, can, you can still drive around town and see irrigation systems running, especially if you take a dog for a walk at six in the morning, <laughs> you know. Or at night, you see them. You see them running. I know we brought this up at the sustainability committee, and talking about maybe in the future having discussions about companies that 
how people retroactively do gray water systems where you use your water from your sinks and your dishwasher and your clothes washer. It gets slightly treated because whatever you're using for soap isn't damaging to plants and reusing it to watering your garden or plants. Have you ever heard of that implement? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, <clears throat> I think the, I actually got ambitious one time and thought about doing a gray water system or maybe roof water or something like that. And the recommendation is uh, half an inch of uh, uh, water uh, on a turf area twice a week. So it's like one inch in. So it so happened that the house I was in at the time had a 12,000 square foot lawn. It was an acre lot. I had a, about 12,000. So if you figure that out, that's a tank that's 10 by 10 by 10 to water the grass. So that's, you know, really expensive, really difficult. To, I mean, I, I think the real thing you want to do is limit turf areas. I mean, turf is the thing. You know, most landscape beds don't require irrigation. The problem is in things like parking lot islands, it's the cheapest to keep it in grass just because mulch is hard to maintain and you know all this type of thing. So it, it, it's an economic thing. People overuse grass because it's relatively cheap to, to maintain. Not a, you know, a first quality lawn, but just right. have an area of grass. Crabgrass. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's cheap. So, uh, but you know, that gets into issues of, you know, are you being overly restrictive to people if he has a, you know, an acre lot, can you tell him to limit the grass areas? And the, but I think if you can do it, you know, that, that's clearly the source of, uh, you know, I mean, reduced even, water demand. Yeah. Even today, there's grass seed that doesn't require nearly the amount of Earl's water. premium, among right. others. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so it's not as if it's not as if some of those things. And we don't quote unquote require that grass seed to be used on a new development. No. I mean, it, 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 at the at that the select board. The fescues are right. what right. you wanna. Right. So anyway, it, 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 it's much more of a just, you know. Again, I, I'm not the conservationist, I, you know. Well, the other thing is people don't water their lawns properly. You don't want to water it every day, no. even if you Mostly permitted to do it. And a lot of people do that. So they have these nice looking lawns, but they got, you know, roots that are like a quarter inch yeah. deep. And, right. you know, you have to do it if you start that very frequent water. I just think there's, 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 there's some stuff we probably could do as a town that we just aren't doing that we should. Right. We'll you know, and it's not meant to be a planning issue. It's much more of a, I mean, I didn't call Regan to say, Regan should probably have, the Conservation Commission would probably have three or four ideas right off the bat. You can look at this, and, and just to point out, when you do do a search of it, you can find towns that have been incredibly restrictive. That's not what I'm talking about doing. Again, there are, well, there are some things that like we can Like you said, do. with planting. I mean, I know that sustainability with Mass Audubon had a couple of series of talks during COVID where they were talking about changing over part of your lawn to native plants that were more drought resistant. Right. Well, that's, I've, that's why I always push native plants and right. the stuff because they are, tend to be better. I mean, and you happen to be looking at someone who doesn't have any a drop of grass in his yard. That doesn't mean I'm not landscaped and don't use water at times. It just means I don't have a lawn. Um, and so I don't have to water for my property to stay green, but I have other things that require water. You, you will find... It's just disappointing. I mean... Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's 
the moral high ground to minimize water use, but you're not get a, going to get around the water bans by doing that because they're DEP imposed, uh, that proportional to the different stages of drought. So regardless of how good you are in saving, you're still going to be under those same restrictions. But. Except for the MWRA towns. <laughs> the, they're the world's leader in interbasin transfers. They take it all from Quabbin and bring it to Boston. Yeah. Anyways, that's environmentally that's horrendous. My apologies. I should have opened each as a motion when we discussed it, but since I didn't think anything was really no, I'm, I don't think you had to. Um, but I will a make a motion that we accept the uh, minutes as written from September seventh meeting. Can I get a second? Second. Joe. Aye. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. Is there anything else that needs to be discussed tonight? No? Heather, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? Okay. I'd like to make a motion that we adjourn. Second. David? Aye. Jim? Aye. And I'm an aye. Evil have a good night, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you back here on October 5th. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night.